0: Good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're listening to this, if you've downloaded it and uh, are listening to it after the fact, if you're listening live, of course it's morning, I'm here in uh, Central Time at 10 a.m. Central Time, depending on where you're at, it could be 11, it could be 8, heck it could be 5 in the afternoon. I'm not even sure where you're listening from. I know that we can tell through all of our fancy stuff that uh, that uh, Noah has set up for us as far as um, making the tech side of the Schmidt Show podcast work. We have listeners from all over the world. Australia, Sweden. I, I mean, you name it. We've got the it, the U.K., Uh, Let me, just let me, I want to, cause this is really cool for me. So I do where I started doing radio, so to speak, and, and, and this kind of thing, talk shows and whatnot was, was live terrestrial radio in a small station in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And so my listenership is, you know, a couple hundred miles, uh, in any given direction from the station. Some folks listen online, but for the most part, it's it's pretty local to where I'm at. But looking at the metrics that Noah has set up for us through this cool website that hosts our podcast and does all kinds of other cool stuff, um, Chile, Sweden, Latvia, Germany, Australia, Spain, the United Kingdom, Norway, Canada, and there's even an other group. Like the people that are listening secretly through their VPNs, probably in North Korea or Iran or some other, you know, militaristic state that doesn't allow them to have access to the outside world. so they're they're sneakily listening along to the Schmidt Show from inside the enemy camp. So uh, to those of you who are doing that, we thank you, South Africa. We've got people listening from South Africa. For those of you who are listening secretly, we uh, appreciate your support and we are glad that you are uh, a part of the Schmidthead Brigade. So, uh, if you want to join the show today, you can call in during the live show at 866 766 1776. You can find us on Telegram in the Schmidt Show chat room in Telegram. You can find us on Freenode on the Schmidt Show or um, it's the Schmidt Head uh, Freenode group. Um, so, there's all kinds of ways for you to. Uh, to join the show and be a part of the show, you can shoot me an email. Um, I'm not even sure what it is. It's it's uh, just go to the schmidtshow.com and there's a link on there. You can send us a link to send us emails that way. I this is I'm I'm not a real techie guy. I used to work as a tech support guy for uh, Gateway Computers and did some te- tech support stuff for Hewlett Packard back in um, the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, so that gives you a, an idea of, of my skill level. I actually was a huge uh, part of the this, the migration of gateway customers from Windows 95 to Windows 98. Then once again, from Windows 98 to Windows Millennium, which was a joke. And then we also did, I was a part of the migration from Windows um, Millennium into Windows XP, which I'm convinced is still one of the best operating systems that, that has, has ever been used as far as Windows machines are concerned. Now, um, I'm kind of a Mac guy. I've been a Mac guy for some time. But, of course, any of you that know Noah and uh, Noah from the Ask Noah show, any of you that know him know that uh, he is a Linux guru and a uh, Linux um evangelist and he has actually got me to a point where I am dual booting on my Win, or on my Mac machine on my iMac or I'm sorry my MacBook Pro laptop dual booting to Linux and um, Mac. So I'm doing a little bit of both here. So anyway, if you want to join the show like I said 866 766 1776 is the phone number you can call in. Uh, you can find us on the chat room on Freenode at the uh, it's the Schmidthead chat room on Freenode. Um I'm using Qu- also client. This is what Noah's got me set up for. So let me double check this. Yeah, it's just uh it's hashtag Schmidtheads with uh with one s or with uh yeah hashtag Schmidtheads plural so you can join us on the free node chat room there. Um like I said uh if you go to telegram you can get a hold of us there. I also want to mention this I-, I-, I have I have avoided um begging for money. Um, because I'm not necessarily doing this whole podcast thing, um, to become rich and famous. Uh, but the truth is this stuff costs money. And first of all, if it weren't for Noah with the Ask Noah show and the setup that he's got, I would not be able to get this, this podcast out to you. So a huge thank you to, to Noah, Chalaya and Alta Speed Technologies and all of the work that he does. Um, also to some of our other, um, uh, Vox Telesis makes the phones happen. So if you want to call into the show, um, he's the guy that, that gets, or, uh, they're the guy I should say that gets it done for us there. Uh, but all of this would be impossible if it were not for Noah and, uh, Noah Chalaya and, and Alta Speed Technologies. So, um, a, a quick shout out to them, but this stuff costs money. Um, to make this podcast happen, our our subscription to Fireside and the phones and and all of the other things that that we have to to cover the cost of to make this happen. So, if you wanted to support the Schmidt Show, if you appreciate the Schmidt Show's content, um, and we will do our best to continue making it better, please go to Patreon and um and and become a member of the Schmidt Head Brigade. We're working on. I've got a. I've got a. a a uh, graphic design company that is putting together um, a a logo, if you will, a, a character, a Schmidhead character. We're going to be getting some Schmidhead coffee mugs and T-shirts and things like that available to those who, for those who have already signed up for Patreon, um, we we are in the process of getting that stuff done and we will get some of that uh, Schmidhead merch out to you. Um, for those who plan to sign up, to become a Patreon supporter, um, we will also get that for you as well. So, uh, I just want to mention that I'm not going to give you all of the details. You're all smart; you'll be able to figure it out if you really do want to support the Schmidt Show. Um, the The first way you can do that through Patreon is we've got a 1776 uh, support amount. I'm not sure really how Patreon works and all of that kind of stuff, but we have the 1776 amount that you can sign up and be a 1776 supporter. Um, and we're working also on some extra content that you will only be able to access through the Patreon account uh, or through the Patreon stuff. We're going to do some Politics 101 stuff, some some Civics 101, you know, why we as conservatives, for me anyway, why as I, as a conservative, why do I believe the things that I believe in, and why do I take the positions that I take on these various things and what's my thought process on how to get to those? So that's... That's all going to be available only to Patreon supporters uh, down the road once we get that content created as well. So that's that's actually all in the works uh, as we uh, move forward with the Schmidt Show. So anyway... Uh, again, thanks for joining me. I appreciate everything that uh, that you all do to download the the various episodes and and subscribe to the podcast. It's Uh If you found a link to this from a friend that that sent it to you, uh, all you got to do is go to com. You can s- subscribe. You can download all the previous episodes. You can download the welcome episode where I just kind of introduce myself uh, and talk a little bit about who I am and where I come from. That is something and it's also going to develop over the years uh, or weeks or months or or however this this uh, this podcast uh, experiences or however you experience this podcast, you'll be able to get to know me. And I hope that over time you'll be able to to uh, I'll be able to get to know you as well. One of the things I love about doing talk radio, especially, and and I know that this isn't radio, this is a podcast, but that's my other job. My full-time job is a, is a terrestrial radio host. One of the great things that I love about it is being able to interact with the audience. And it was one of the things I was a little bit concerned about with doing a podcast: is how am I going to create that audience interaction? Um, you know, because most people that listen to podcasts listen to them after the fact; they don't listen to them live, they don't download the live st- or uh, you know connect to the live stream and listen in live. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. So even if it is. Through the the chat room, which is up op- open and on twenty four hours a day, so feel free to jump in there. I don't spend a lot of time there, just because I'm a very very busy individual. I have three, well, I have two full time jobs, and now this podcast is is beginning to become uh, a third part time job. So uh, I, I don't spend a lot of time there, but I do check in on it and and pay attention to what's going on there and and see the things that y'all post on there and, and try to interact when I have time and, and be a part of it. You can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Twitter dot Twitter. And what's my Twitter handle at the Schmidt show. Um, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Schmidt show uh, all kinds of ways to, uh, to engage in the show. So one of the things as we kick things off today, one of the things we're going to talk about uh, is this whole Kavanaugh deal. And I know this is in the news, and, and a lot of you are probably tired of hearing about all of the Kavanaugh stuff. Um, so what we're gonna, where we're going to start is we're just going to go with a, a Kavanaugh uh, timeline and just kind of give you uh, an idea of, of how things are progressing. Apparently, they have reached a, an agreement to, um, to have Ms. Blasey Ford testify um, on Thursday, so we'll I guess keep an eye on that. Um, there is there is a lot of circus around this, and to the point that it's it's nearly impossible to weed out what is true, what is false, what is. <laughs> may be true or, or partly true or half true. Um, and it's, 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 it's getting worse now. There's apparently another story. Um, another woman has come forward. Um, but their, their recollection of the events is just as, as how do you even say this? I I don't want to say not credible, but it's 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 as as sketchy at least as as Dr. Blasey Ford's accusations. the The other woman apparently does not have uh, any recollection of when the event actually took place, as far as the details of it. Um, she was at a party, was drunk, um apparently took place uh, again thirty five years ago. Um, supposedly at a drunken fraternity party when when Kavanaugh was a freshman at Yale University, um, he supposedly exposed himself and touched her face with his junk. And it, again, there's not a lot of detail as to whether or not this actually happened. They're calling again for a an FBI investigation. Which let me let me just explain this here because there's there's a lot of discussion about oh there should be an FBI investigation. This guy's being uh, nominated for the Supreme Court. The FBI has nothing to do with these sorts of situations, and I'm so sick and tired of people saying oh the FBI needs to get involved. The FBI needs to get involved. First of all, the credibility of the FBI at this point as far as investigating things as it relates to the Trump administration or anything even remotely surrounding the Trump administration is laughable they have the FBI unfortunately has no credibility as it relates to these sorts of things so that's the first thing the second thing is the FBI has no business getting involved in any of these cases so the the story out of of Maryland where where this alleged event with with uh, Dr. Blasey Ford Supposedly, took place was in Maryland, in the state of Maryland. Now, I don't know the actual, you know, the the actual county or or municipality or or township or whatever that that this would have taken place in, but it's somewhat irrelevant. It happened in the state of Maryland, and and the way these processes work. And I looked this up because the state of Maryland does not have any uh, statute of limitations as it relates to felony sexual assault. So if this is a genuine charge, a genuine allegation against uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, the, the process for this, love him, hate him, agree with his politics or not, you know, believe the story is true, believe it's a, a, a false allegation is irrelevant. The, the legal process through which this should be taking place or through which this, this situation should be going is very simple. If Dr. Blasey Ford alleges that Judge Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her back in 1970-whatever, 1980-whatever, 35 years ago, she should report it to the appropriate authorities, the, the city, the county, the state in which it happened. We know it was in Maryland, so at the very least, it should be taken to the state attorney general of Maryland. Most likely it would probably be even more local than that, going to a local um, district attorney or or some uh, similar, I don't know if Maryland calls them district attorneys, some places call them state's attorneys or county attorneys, whatever. It doesn't matter. So they need to go to, Dr. Blasey Ford needs to go to whatever authority, police department, whatever, in that municipality, in that jurisdictional breakdown, and, and make the claim, make the charge. The police department then would need to investigate it. The police department would then recommend or refer to the local state's attorney and say, hey, this is, this is a crime that we believe has a credible uh, amount of evidence. You should prosecute this. We recommend these charges. Then the local state's attorney makes the charges Doctor or uh, Dr. Blasey Ford would be called as a witness, very likely. Brett Kavanaugh would be probably arrested or indicted at the very least, and required to uh, to appear before a judge for a court. He gets then to choose whether he wants a judge or a, a trial by by jury or a trial by judge. All of that kind of stuff. It's it's a pretty simple, straightforward process. That's, that's, that's it. Then after the prosecution makes their case and the defense makes their case, the closing statements are heard, all of that. The jury deliberates. They choose to either find him guilty or not guilty. And that's the end of it. If he's guilty of a felony, um, sexual assault, he goes to jail. He registers as a sex offender, all of that kind of stuff. But until any of that happens, this, this entire thing is nothing more than a circus. It's a complete and total joke. It's a political grandstanding event that has absolutely nothing to do with the rule of law and whether or not Judge Kavanaugh should be confirmed or should not be confirmed. That's, that's the end of it. It, it. Unless someone is willing to actual fo- actually follow the legal process through which a situation like this should be taken I honestly am I don't want to hear any more about it he if he has committed a crime he should be brought to justice and and forced to to deal with the consequences of that crime but the truth is and I think everybody kind of realizes that this has nothing to do with justice or or, or finding the, the truth in the story, this is all about political grandstanding on the part of the Senate Democrats. And that is what we we have to begin to acknowledge. So let's go back to just a little bit of the, the timeline of all this. So on June 27th of 2018, this year, 2000, or of June 27th of this year, Justice Kennedy... Announces his retirement. The left, of course, you know, melts down on all of it, losing their minds over the whole thing. So July 9th, because Donald Trump, and here's the other thing, Donald Trump, I believe, and I might be wrong on this, but I believe that Donald Trump uh, announced that Judge Kavanaugh would be a possible um, nominee before he even was elected. Like these were the people that he would possibly nominate before he ever even so the idea that Judge Kavanaugh was announced is is it's near laughable that that this is all of a sudden a surprise. So Donald Trump gave a list of of justices, I, I believe long before um, he ever he ever. I'm trying to find a list here. I apologize. I'm i I'm, I'm googling it up here, trying to find a list um, of people that he had. But I believe Kavanaugh was on that list, and and so all of this is is again just more proof that this is political grandstanding. Because if Kavanaugh was on the list, why was this not brought up before, before he was ever nominated? You want to destroy the guy's career? Fine, destroy the guy's career, but do it before he ever gets nominated. Why wait till he gets nominated to the Supreme Court? Because again, it's not about anything more than political grandstanding. So that was on the 9th of July. He nominates um, Supreme Court. He nominates Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Uh, again, the left goes nuts, and we saw all of the the silliness of of these these uh, these Supreme Court, um, or the the radical left, doing all of their their protesting, the signs outside of the Supreme Court. Before the uh, before they even nominated, you know, they had signs with a blank in them so they could write in whatever name. They sent out press reports that that uh, that just said essentially, we oppose nominee to be named later because we don't really care anything about actually being a part of the process and finding a good judge. We just are going to deny and, de- and, and declare any nominee as crazy unless they're willing to. You know, murder a baby on the steps of of the Supreme Court in a in a sacrifice to the the abortion gods in the first place. So none of this again has anything to do with Judge Kavanaugh. It has everything to do with with the radical left trying to to throw a wrench in the works because they have no other platform. I mean, let's be honest about this. If you're if you're a if you're a democrat today, what's your what's your platform? If if you're a democrat running for office today, what's your platform? Transgender bathrooms? Raising taxes? What else? Abortion? So that's that's the democrat platform at this point. The the democrat party, the modern democrat party in in the United States has 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 moved away from classical liberalism so far that they can't even see it anymore. the The Democrat Party's platform at this point is murdering babies, transgender bathrooms, and raising taxes to ninety percent, and making everybody "quote unquote" pay their fair share. That that's that's what their that's what their platform is. This Ocasio Cortez, the the Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, whatever her thing is her her she's a Bernie Sanders look alike or whatever she is. It, it I, I'm so angry at this. I can't even get the words out. This this is the problem when I get when I get frustrated about this kind of stuff. I start to lose my train of thought because I, I'm I am so sick and tired. Of the Democrat Party, so here's here's a good example, right? the The Democrat Party is no longer campaigning, at least at least where I'm at. Most of them are campaigning. Oh, I'm willing to work with Trump. I'm willing to work with Trump. I'll work with Trump. I'll, I'll work across the aisle. The Democrats are uh, the the ones that are actually trying to win their seats, like Heidi Heitkamp and Kev- and Kevin Kramer in the Senate seat in North Dakota. It's probably the biggest Senate race in the country. It's going to be one of the most expensive. They both raised over $10 million, I believe. And and these these two are running to actually win the seat. And Kevin Kramer was personally asked and personally endorsed by President Trump to run. He, he personally met Kevin and said, Kevin, I need you to run. I need you to unseat Heidi. Kevin didn't want to do it. He said, finally gave in and said, all right, fine, I'll do it. Heidi Heitkamp is running on the fact that she's more willing to work with with Donald Trump than Kevin Kramer is. The Democrats that are actually trying to win their seats are running on "I'm more Republican than the Republican." The Democrats that that don't have to fight their seats and and the ones that have have not have not been engaged in a a death or a fight to the death kind of battle they're they're so far out of touch with with the regular Joe American that they're almost unrecognizable we have we have democrats in north dakota who are running on literally running on i'm more republican than the republican candidate you should vote for me because i'm more pro donald trump than the than the republican candidate but the Pelosi's and the Schumer's and the the the, the Feinstein's and the, the Hanoi, Hano, whatever her name is, and from Hawaii, Hanasi or Hano, whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't honestly don't care who she is. They are at a point where the only thing they've got left is we want to raise your taxes to pay for welfare benefits. We want to make sure that your children in in middle school are the boys and girls are all showering together, and we want to make sure that we enshrine abortion as a sacramental right across the country. That I mean, I I'd love to hear from a Democrat that can explain to me why. Or, or what their platform is beyond taking more of my hard-earned money, murdering babies, and making sure my, my daughter is forced to shower with a 15-year-old kid with mental illness, a 15-year-old boy with mental illness. But that's the thing. There's nothing out there. That's their platform. This idea that there's going to be a big blue wave, I don't buy it. I think the great blue wave of 2018 is going to barely be a pathetic blue splash. Now, I might be wrong, and the Democrats may run the table and and take control of the Senate and the House again. They might. I don't think they will. But it's possible. The Republicans at least... When they were in office or when they were when they were running against the, the Obama administration, whether it was a Senate race or a House race, when they were when they were, were trying to to regain control of the House, the Senate, all of that sort of thing, at least they had the guts to stand up and say, Hey, we're gonna run to stop the Democrats. We're gonna do everything we can to stop the Democrats. Right now the Democrats the only thing they've got to try and to try and win is to talk about how much and how willing they are to work with Trump. And it's funny because it puts the Democrats in a really difficult spot, doesn't it? Right? The radical left that that has nothing but vitriolic hatred on a level that hasn't been seen in decades for Donald Trump now has to campaign to talk about how willing they are to work with Donald Trump. Heidi, Heitkamp, there's an audio clip I've got from on my Terrestrial show that that's Heidi Heitkamp screeching about how she is supporting Hillary Clinton because she's going to be the greatest president the United States has ever seen. Like, she, I mean, it it is it is it's it's borderline hysterics the way she's shrieking about Hillary Clinton. I have to see if I can find it for the next show and, and keep it on my button bar here. But with with Heidi Heitkamp shrieking about how Hillary Clinton is going to be the greatest president that this country's ever seen. And now she's in the fight for her life for her Senate seat with uh, conservative Republican Kevin Kramer. And she has had to move so far to the right that she's almost, almost, She she's bordering on, I guess you could say, unrecognizable in her political stance. Because every vote she's made has been pretty much down the line radical left. And now she's running this platform of how she is essentially more Republican than the Republican. All right, go back, go back to the the Kavanaugh thing. So judge on, on the 9th of July, Trump nominates judge Kavanaugh. Um, and of course all of the media, the, the left completely loses their minds once again, uh, women are going to be forced to to give birth to babies that they didn't even know they were pregnant with, and and every woman that has a has a a miscarriage is going to be uh, strung up and lynched in the town square. And I mean, all of the you know, and and what was the the one idiot on the left actually made the comment that. That you know, millions of women are gonna die because of this. Look, here's here's how this is gonna play out. Even if Judge Kavanaugh is confirmed and and by some miraculous invention of the law that we didn't know existed yesterday, they are they decide the judge the, the Supreme Court just decides to hold a, a session and having it make an executive decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Nothing changes. Abortion and and all of that, nothing changes. Women will still be able to get abortions. It will not become illegal. It would simply revert back to the states to choose whether or not they want to allow for abortion in their state or not. So in states like North Dakota, where we are much more conservative and much more Republican and much more right-leaning, states like North Dakota, the, the abortion laws might stiffen up a little bit. They're already pretty stiff here in North Dakota. But states like California, New York, Massachusetts, the 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 abortion laws, I would guess, would probably actually loosen up. You you would probably see late term abortions being allowed in in California. You'd probably even see um, partial birth abortions being allowed in 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 California, in places like that. So the 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 restrictions on abortion as it relates to the overturning of Roe versus Wade would be state by state. It wouldn't have anything to do with the federal government anymore. And, and that's exactly it's the irony is that's exactly what the left wants on the legalization of marijuana. It's exactly what the left wants on a lot of stuff. But when it comes to abortion, they want that enshrined in federal law as some sort of sacramental right to being a Democrat. So again the you know women are not going to be you know stabbing themselves in the uterus with coat hangers the day after Kavanaugh gets gets confirmed as the next supreme court justice women are not going to be being they're they're not going to be murdered in back alleys by by crooked abortion doctors who are performing abortions out of the back of a a rusty 1977 Ford van in the Walmart parking lot that none of that will happen. And, and well, honestly, none of it really ever happened in the first place, but anyway, so, Oh, well, so, and here's the other thing too, right? With, with all of the, 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 uh, the hysteria over abortion and, and judge Kavanaugh and all that kind of thing. The only way that ever comes before the court in the first place is simply through a, a somebody bringing a a court case and an appeals case up through the system and then to the Supreme Court which actually does not seem very likely at this point. So anyway, now back to you know Kavanaugh being um, nominated. It was nominated on the 9th of, li- 9th of July. Uh, on the 30th of July, the then unnamed Dr. Christine Blasey Ford sends a letter to, to Feinstein outlining her account of what happened at this party. She accuses in the letter Kavanaugh of physical and sexual assault and describes the event as a quote-unquote gathering with her and four other people, so a total of five people. I'll I will uh, I maybe try to put a link up to the entire letter uh, in the show notes and and add this to the list of of yeah of links in the the list so you can read the full letter if you want to. Um, so anyway, she sends this letter to to Feinstein and. That was on the 30th of July, and I'm gonna get back to my my link here with all of my timeline. Um, in the letter, like I said, she accuses um, Kavanaugh of, of physical and sexual assault. Um, there's supposedly five people in the in the in the house. She says Kavanaugh jumps on top of her, covers her mouth to prevent her from screaming. There's somebody else in the room. Apparently, um, who is fighting with Kavanaugh? It, the the way the way it seems to be written or read or whatever, um, is that they were fighting over who was going to rape her, or or something. It's it's hard to tell for sure. Um, at one so here's a quote from the from the letter. At one point when Kavanaugh it's redacted in the letter, but when Kavanaugh jumped onto the bed, the weight on me was substantial. The pile toppled and the two scrapped with each other. After a few attempts to get away, I was able to take this opportune moment to get up and run across a hall to a hallway bathroom. I locked the bathroom door behind me, both loudly stumbled down the stairwell, at which point other persons at the house were talking with them. I exited the bathroom, ran outside of the house, and went home. Which means that it at there were a total of three people upstairs in the room at the time the uh, the alleged event happened. Blocked Dr. Ford, Kavanaugh, and someone who is believed to be a guy named Mark Judge. There's some obvious questions in all of this, right? So she, first of all, she runs across the bathroom, or runs across to the hallway bathroom, which is upstairs. And then Kavanaugh and Mark Judge went downstairs. She then escapes and goes home. First question is, I mean, if I'm if I'm in that room questioning her, if I'm you know if I'm interviewing her, how did you get home? Did you walk? Did you get a ride? Did you call your parents? whatever. Apparently she doesn't even know. She doesn't remember how she got home or she doesn't know if she walked home or if she took a ride home or whatever. Because if she walked home, then she would have had to have known where she was and how to find her way home. Right. And this is, this is not an unimportant detail. If she walked home, because that's the thing is she says she doesn't know where the house was. She doesn't know who owned the home. She doesn't know where the party was. She can't remember any of that. But if she walked home after a traumatic, traumatic event, she would know how she got home. Or she would at least, like I say, if she walked home, she would at least know the general vicinity of where this house was. And, and so then some, some detective work could put together a possibility of who owned the home, therefore providing more witnesses. But rather, she ends up simply describing the house as a, quote, suburban Maryland area home. Well, Maryland's a state, so a suburban home in an in an area the size of an entire state is awfully vague. If she got a ride home, if she got a car ride home, somebody gave her a ride, who drove her home? It, it, if It seems to me that if she had gotten a ride home from a knight in shining armor who protected her from the bad guys, she'd remember who that person was. If she got a ride home from a female, that would make much more sense because she would feel safer, right? She was just attacked by two young men. Or so she claims. So if she got a ride home, seems to me that in a traumatic event like that, you'd at least have an idea of who it was that gave you a ride home that night. And so because she doesn't know, we can't contact the driver the person who gave her a ride home, her parents, did she call mom and dad to come pick her up? They didn't have cell phones back then, so she would have had to have used a home phone in the, in the home at some point or stopped at someone's house along the way and asked to use a phone, which would very much be a very important detail to the rest of the story. So anyway, back to the timeline. So in early August, we can assume because the letter was dated the 30th of July that it was received by Feinstein, Feinstein, whatever her name is, in sometime in early August. But here's the weird thing. It wasn't actually sent directly to Senator Feinstein. Um, a quote in an article from TheIntercept.com. Says the letter took a circuitous, circuitous route to Feinstein, the top ranking Democrat on the Judiciary Committee. It purportedly describes an incident that was relayed to someone affiliated with Stanford University who authored the letter and then sent it to Representative Anna Ishu, a Democrat who represents the area. So that's curious. The story was told to someone else who then wrote it down and then sent the letter to this representative Ishu, who then apparently, maybe at some point, forwarded it on to Senator Feinstein. But we don't really know exactly when she got it. The other thing is in that happened in early august on the timeline thing here is that Dr. Blasey Ford um, hires this Deborah Katz. Deborah Katz is an attorney heavily involved with the Me Too stuff and all of that, right? She so she hires this Deborah Katz and takes a polygraph test. So here's let me read just another little uh, excerpt. So she engaged Deborah Katz, a Washington lawyer known for her work on sexual harassment cases. On the advice of Katz, who said she believed Ford would be attacked as a liar if she came forward, Ford took a polygraph test administered by a former FBI agent in early August. The results, which Katz provided to the post, concluded that Ford was being truthful when she said a statement summarizing her allegations were accurate. Now here's here's the the the, the semantics in this seemingly unnecessary or irrelevant, not so much. Because the polygraph test that Ford took was not about the event. This gets, this gets glossed over. This gets missed. This gets ignored. The polygraph test she took was not about the event that took place in 1978, 1980, whenever this event allegedly took place. The polygraph test was essentially the, the polygraph technician asking her, is this statement you made, which we just read back to you accurate? Now, that seems like an unimportant detail, but think about that for just a second. I write I I relay a story to you. Can be a completely false and 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 made up story about anything. I relay a story to you. You write it down. You read it back to me. And you say, is what I just read back to you accurate? That's easy to not tell a lie. It's easy to pass a polygraph test that way because all I have to do is verify that what you read back to me is what I told you. That doesn't give any validity at all to the original event. It simply gives validity to the fact that you actually accurately took down notes on the story that I just told you. I've not heard anybody else talk about that in the news. I've not heard that on Fox news or CNN or MSNBC or anything like that. And I don't even have cable, but I've not heard any other media outlet acknowledge this, that the polygraph test that she took had nothing to do with the original event. It simply asked her if what she said was relayed back to her accurately. And don't think that that wasn't on purpose. That polygraph test was absolutely intentionally structured that way. These people aren't dumb. They know exactly what they're doing. So that's, again, side note, but let's get back to the timeline. August 10th, Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing is set. They decide September 5th is the day. So September 5th, the confirmation hearing for Kavanaugh begins. Um, several of the Democrats, of course, make asses out of themselves, as Stephen Crowder says. Um, Cory Booker, complete fool of himself and many others. Um, moving ahead in the timeline, on the 12th of September, we begin to hear some rumors that Feinstein has this document accusing Kavanaugh of sexual harassment or some sort of sexual misconduct. But she refuses to release the the document. So the next day, on the 13th of September, Feinstein releases a statement. And she says, quote, I have received information from an individual concerning the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. That individual strongly requested confidentiality, declined to come forward or press the matter further, and I have honored that decision. I have, however, referred the matter to federal investigative authorities. Again, as I said earlier, the federal investigative authorities have no jurisdiction in this matter whatsoever. The day after that, Mark Judge, the the other guy that was named as the other boy in the room with Kavanaugh, denied the allegations and of course confirmed Kavanaugh's character. He says, quote, it's just absolutely nuts. I never saw Brett act that way. He was doing an interview, um, with the New Yorker at the time. And he said this about the interview, Ronan Farrell, the lady was doing the interview, um, or the person who was, I don't know if Ronan Farrell is a male or female. Anyway, the person who was doing the interview said, as you know, you're named in the letter, and I did not know, said judge. Then the day, that same day, um, on the 14th of September, 65 different women who knew Kavanaugh in high school submit a letter to both Senator Grassley and Senator Feinstein explaining their support of Brett Kavanaugh. They said, quote, we are women who have known Brett Kavanaugh for more than 35 years and knew him while he attended high school in 1979 and 1983. For the entire time, we've known Brett Kavanaugh. He has behaved honorably and treated women with respect. We strongly believe it is important to convey this information to the committee at this time. That's a pretty big deal. 65 women. compared to one. On the 16th, a couple days later, on the 16th of September, Dr. Blasey Ford talks to the Washington Post about the letter she sent to Feinstein, thus revealing her identity. She reveals to the Washington Post this. Ford said, and this is a quote from the Washington Post article, Ford said that one summer in the early 1980s, Kavanaugh and a friend both stumbling drunk, Ford alleges, corralled her into a bedroom during a gathering of teenagers at a house in Montgomery County. Ford said she told no one of the incident in any detail until 2012 when she was in couples therapy with her husband. The the therapist's notes, portions of which were provided by Ford and reviewed by the Washington Post, do not mention Kavanaugh's name, but say she reported that she was attacked by quotes or students from quote an elitist boys school who went on to become, quote, highly respected and high-ranking members of society in Washington, end quote. The notes say that the four boys were involved. A discrepancy, Ford says, was the error of the therapist part. Ford said there were four boys at the party, but only two in the room. In an interview, her husband, Russell, said that in the 2012 session, she recounted being trapped in a room with two drunken boys, one of whom, pinned her to a bed, molested her, and prevented her from screaming. He said he said he recalled that his wife used Kavanaugh's last name and voiced concern that Kavanaugh, then a federal judge, might one day be nominated to the Supreme Court. Which is, that's an interesting detail to me. Why would she assume that? Why would you assume... That just because he was at the time would have been on the Washington D.C. Court of Appeals, the D.C. District Court of Appeals, why would she go, well, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just mentioning this because I think someday he might be nominated to the Supreme Court. That seems like an unnecessary detail. That sounds like a, to me, that sounds like a 2020 hindsight is 2020 kind of detail. Like, well, now he's being, now he's being accused. So yeah, we knew that he was going to be a Supreme court judge. So, or, or be nominated. So we, we, we were concerned about that. Doesn't seem to fit why, if that was the case, why wait six years until he was actually nominated? Why not destroy his career before he ever got started? Why wait? The only logical answer is that this isn't anything to do with the Supreme Court nominee. This is just the the radical left trying to continue to obstruct and and create the political grandstanding circus that they've created. The Washington Post article goes on, says Ford said she does not remember how the gathering came together the night of the incident. She said she often spent time in the summer at the Columbia Country Columbia Country Club pool in Chevy Chase, where those in those pre-cell phone days, teenagers learned about gatherings via word of mouth. She also doesn't recall who owned the house or how she got there. I mean, this again is an important detail. If we know how she got there as in, in connection with how she left, those are important details because it helps bring significant clarity to the situation. Of course, categorically Kavanaugh denies the allegations says he's never heard. He'd never done such a thing in high school or ever. Um, then it, gets even worse on 17 on the 17th of September, September Deborah Katz says her client is willing to talk to a committee about her allegations. Um, And we've all kind of in the last couple of days seen how this has played out. There's been all kinds of uh, negotiations going on and where we stand now is essentially that they have agreed to some form of something and there's going to be testimony on Thursday of this week. That's, that's where we've essentially ended up at this point is we're finally going to have an actual testimony and discussion on this or, or hearing on it or what, I don't know what you would actually call it, but this woman is going to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I don't know what the details of the, of the agreement are um, off the top of my head, but, They've reached an agreement. And to be honest, the Republicans need to get on top of this. They're afraid of being seen as... as obstructionist or or not believing rape charges or or whatever it is that they're afraid of in the media they're they're afraid of being vilified in the media if they don't do all of this and allow for all of this but here's the thing they are already being vilified in the media it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what they do they will be vilified in the media. So my advice to the Republicans, get over yourselves. Get out there and do your job. Advise and consent and confirm Judge Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court. Because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. I've been doing this radio thing and talk show thing long enough to know that it doesn't matter what you say because someone will twist it. Someone will try to deny it or make some absurd claim about what you said. I've been called every name in the book, you know, racist, bigot, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care anymore. Call me what you want. Because in the end, they're going to do it anyway. So all of these Republicans who are afraid of what will, will be said about them in the media, get over it. Because they're going to say it anyway. Do your job and do what's right by your constituents. It's that simple. Do your job and do what's right by your constituents. Because if you can't do that, you shouldn't be a senator in the first place. If you can't take a little heat from from Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews, you're in the wrong ju- in the wrong business. You're in the wrong industry. Suck it up. Quit being a wimp. Quit trying to be liked. Do what's right by your constituents. So I've said this before. When it comes to Senate and the House of Representatives and all these politicians, they always say, "Oh, we gotta we gotta make sure that people like us and are." ratings are good and approvals and whatever knock it off cuz here's the here's the here's the the little known fact that that goes against conventional wisdom the people that you represent back in your states as the house of representatives or as senators the people that you represent they want someone who's going to stand on principle and do what's right And I've said for years, here's what needs to happen to fix what's going on in Washington is that someone needs to go to Washington, a representative or a senator or whatever, with the balls to fall on the sword. And say, I don't care if I get reelected. I don't care if this costs me my career. This is the right thing to do. This is what the people of my district, the people of my state elected me to do. And so I don't care if it's the right thing or it, I don't care if it's the 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 popular thing or not. I know it's the right thing. And therefore, this is how I'm going to vote. And, and release a press statement that says, look, you're going to hear a lot in the media about how I'm this, that, and the other but I don't care. This was the right decision for you, my constituents. And I know that some of you will not want to vote for me next election cycle because of what I did and how I voted. And I don't care because this isn't about getting reelected. This is about what's doing, what's right by our country, by our state, and by the people I represent. And if they do that, and if they take that position and they say, I don't care what is popular, I don't care what gets me reelected, I'm going to do what's right. They will be reelected in a landslide and, and by bipartisan support. But if we keep going down the road we're on, the radical fringe will take over and there will no longer be a center moderate and there will no longer be a regular joe majority in this country and we're seeing it happen in the left's all, in the in the party of the left already people who are at least normal decent human beings are being chased out of the Democrat Party by the Pelosi's and the Schumer's and the Harry Reid's and the Ocasio-Cortez's and the Bernie Sanders. The radical left is absolutely taking over the Democrat Party today. And it's because so few of them have any principles on which they stand. so few of those in the modern Democrat Party have any principles or scruple on which they stand that they are blown about and tossed around by every wind of change that comes their way. So to the Republican senators who are tasked with taking this fight to the the Senate, quit being wusses Get out there and do your job and do what's right for the people who elected you. Senator Heitkamp in North Dakota is in a state where where Donald Trump was elected by a 60 to 30 margin. He won by 30 percentage points in this state. What do you think the people of North Dakota want you to do, Mrs. Heitkamp? I guarantee you it's not to continue the circus and stall this pathetic display of desperation by the Democrat Party on Judge Kavanaugh. And that's just one senator. That's just one Democrat senator that was was voted in in a state where Donald Trump won overwhelmingly. That's just one. So again, my advice to the Republicans, get some backbone, you freaking sissies. Stand up. Be counted. And do your job Because we out here In in flyover country And regular America Are sick and tired of the circus And the garbage that's going on Call for a vote And get Kavanaugh confirmed With that I am out of here. We're wrapping up the day. Uh, rant is over. The the <laughs> the the rant is finished. And I think I just killed my bumper music. So let me try this again. There it is. So with that, like I said, we are wrapping up the Schmidt show once again. We'll be back next week. Join us on the com. You can watch us live there. You can be a part of the conversation on the Freenode chat room at hashtag Schmidtheads. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Patreon. Go check that out. Like I said, this stuff does cost a little bit of money making this podcast happen, and we want to continue bringing you great content, and we want to bring you more and more and more content, but that gonna, that's going to require some, some resources, so... Uh, I'm not gonna like say I'm not gonna give you all the details. You can search Patreon. You're all smart. You'll be able to figure it out. I'm Brad Schmidt. The Schmidt Show is out of here. We'll see you next week. Schmidt heads unite.